This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Come forward. Here's my brother from Atlanta. Hey, give him a hand, would you? Man, I, I wanted him to come and uh, just share God's word this weekend. He does this thing called the Holy Spirit Conference. I got it right this time. The Holy Spirit Conference. And uh, it's an amazing thing that he goes and equips churches and equips the body of Christ to flow in the Holy Spirit and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And yesterday we had an awesome time. We had people uh, at the altar just being filled in the Spirit. We're a Spirit-filled church, y'all. And this year we've talked about how we just don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We want to walk the talk. We want to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it was so powerful to see. How many of y'all were blessed yesterday? Come on, can I see a hand? Ten people. Thank you. I said, how many of y'all were blessed yesterday? Come on. Amen. It was a powerful service, Pastor Ty. I got a lot of reports, okay? But I know that God is going to move, okay? He's going to talk about his books Two awesome books that he's written. Please buy it. If you have the money for it, please buy it. If you don't have the money, come and ask me. I'll buy it for you. Okay? It's going to be awesome. All right? But here's the thing. If you were blessed by his ministry, okay, you, you were blessed by his ministry, and you want to, uh, he's an evangelist that travels all across the U.S. equipping believers. If you want to bless his ministry, just go online. If, when you're giving today, you can give in person in the, in the box out there. You can give online. If you want to give to his ministry, do not hesitate. Give, uh, you can just Pick out the, the missions tab, the option, and then you can just say Ty Buckingham or Ty at the bottom, and we'll make sure those, we direct those funds to Ty's ministry. And we continue to pray that God uses you in a powerful way, man. Thank you so much for being here and blessing us, and I know God's going to move through you. God bless you, man. Love you. Hey, give him a hand one more time, guys. Awesome. Hey, uh, thank you all so much, uh, even just for your generosity in advance. Uh, I love in these moments, this is how me and my wife do our generosities. We pray together about giving. And just a really a quick hint, uh, if you're married and you're praying about, you know, your generosity for the ministry we do, and you and your spouse hear different numbers, all that means is you're supposed to add those numbers up. So that's the Lord. It's a joke. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I wrote two books on, on Holy Spirit. Um, I'm really passionate about making complicated, simple, and awkward things not so awkward. And so, yeah, I wrote two books. One is called The Holy Spirit is Not a Bird. Uh, I'm going to preach a little bit more out of this today. Uh, there's a whole chapter that dives deep into what we're going to be praying through at the end of service. And then I wrote another one called Better Than Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself says, it is better for you to have Holy Spirit living with you. And that whole book uh, goes over that. So check that out. But, um, man, I love that Holy Spirit is often in the word a name. He has many names, but uh, he's often called a comforter. And so today what we're going to understand is we're going to understand Holy Spirit as a comforter today. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end of service um, that I'm going to kind of guide us through. It might be unique for some of us. It's just uh, kind of a unique or different way of praying through things. And God's going to impart something really fresh, really new. And I believe there will be, as pastor said, some sozo, some deliverance, some salvation in a really unique way. So it's going it's to be really good. But before we get there, I want to start off telling you a, a, a true story, unfortunately so. Uh, when I was six years old, I was on a plane that caught on fire. And, and there's a big difference between a plane on fire and a plane on fire. And I was on a plane that caught on fire. This is a true story, 100%, unfortunately so. So I'm six years old, and I was on a, a typical white person vacation, which is where 
you go anywhere and you get burned to a crisp. And so uh, we went to Florida, uh, but we, we grew up and we had no money uh, growing up. And so we didn't go to Disney World or you know, Disneyland. We went to the Disney store and just didn't buy anything. It was the worst vacation ever. Sorry, mom. Okay, uh, she tried. Um, and so, but we, we have this, this white people vacation, do all the things. And then we're about to head home to Michigan where we lived at the time. And we're about to get on a flight. And, you know, they told us there's going to be a big storm later that day, but we weren't worried because our flight, you know, was later in the day. Um, and so we're about to actually get on our, our, our flight, or it was early in the day. So we're about to get on our flight, uh, and then the, the, the flight attendant comes out and says, hey, we're so sorry, but the flight has been delayed five hours. And we're all like, oh my goodness, this is a bummer. And even at six years old, I'm kind of like antsy. I just want to get home. I'm sunburned to a crisp. And I'm like, man, I just, I'm just in pain. And so I'm like, hey, like, what's, what's going on? And I remember my parents and a lot of others saying, hey, what is wrong with this flight? And this is what they said. They said, some of the seatbelts are not working on the plane. Now, I don't know how that happened. Uh, they're not complicated devices. But also, even as I was six years old, I was thinking, this is not really a problem. Because I've, I've never seen this. I've never seen, like, on the news, or like, breaking news. A plane has just crashed into a mountain. There was only one survivor. He was the only one wearing a seatbelt. Like, no. Like, I fly home later today. If I'm in a plane crash, seatbelt, no seatbelt, there's no tie. Like, I'm gone. And so, like, the seatbelts, like, even today, I will probably put it on somewhat sarcastically. And so, even then, I didn't think this was a huge issue. Uh, but we wait, you know, the five, six hours for another flight. And then we're about to board that plane. And then once again, a flight attendant comes out and says, hey, this plane is also uh, having issues. It's going to be another like seven or eight hours. And you might be wondering, what kind of airline would do this to you? And now I don't want to put any shame to any airline. So I'm going to make up a fake name for them. Let's call it Spirit Airlines. And so, because it was. Okay. Um, and so... So we're about to get on this another plane. They said, hey, the air conditioning is not working on this flight. And I'm like, man, <laughs> that's the only kind of conditioning that I do is air conditioning. Man, some people love like the first snow of winter. I love the first AC of summer. Praise Jesus. And so uh, I, I understood that. But so, by, by, but later on, you know, we're, like, it's, it is late at night. It is like one or two in the morning. We're finally going to get on the plane. There is this massive storm that is now in, you know, in the area. Man, I remember standing up against the window of the plane terminal and the, the rain was just pounding on the glass. It sounded like this almost thunderous applause. It was so loud. I'm kind of distracted by it. And then I hear my mom yelling from the distance to get on the plane. And so she hands me my, my ticket. And now what's interesting about this one time is that there's, there's four of us. There's my mom, stepdad, sister, and myself. There are four of us and there are four tickets. Three of them are together near the front of the plane, and one of the tickets is by themselves, sitting next to a stranger, in the very last seat right in front of the bathroom, and I was given th that seat as the favorite child, obviously. Um, and so I, but I actually thought was excited. I thought this was like my moment to be a man. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to sit by myself on a plane. I was so excited. So I take my ticket. I go to the back of the plane. It's just me and another person, a stranger. And I looked at this woman and I was scared out of my mind because I thought that she had died. Uh, she, she was this really old woman. She was like laying like this. It didn't look like she was breathing. And for a lack of better words, she had not aged well. And so I, I, as a little kid, I was so scared. I was like, mom, like this, 
lady is dead. Like, oh my goodness. And she was like, sit down, we have to leave. And so I sit down next to this dead woman and then this, uh, the plane uh, takes off. Now, now I'm always curious in any church I tell this story at. I'm always curious, no shame in it. But raise your hand if you have never been on a plane. Raise your hand if you've never been on a plane. Okay, good deal. Literally never. Okay, that's awesome. No one, everyone's been on a plane. So, so I, we take off and usually it takes, you know, 20, 30 minutes to get to cruising altitude. And so we're ascending in the plane and the plane is already shaking from side to side because of this crazy storm. But I'm not worried about it. It's all good. I've flown before as a kid. No big deal. But about eight minutes into ascending, we're about 10,000 feet into the sky. All of a sudden, the lights turn off on the plane. And I was like, this is interesting. Uh, oh, and at the same time, I forgot to tell you, the engines turned off on the plane. And so all of a sudden, a miracle happens though, and the dead is raised. The woman is now brought to life and she, she told me something I will never forget as long as I live. She said this, she said, don't worry, we're just gliding. Okay, um, uh, okay, lady, um, I, I might've been six, but I wasn't stupid because I know that gliding is just another way to say that you are falling, which is basically what we ended up doing. Uh, we actually had an emergency landing. They somehow turned around the plane, uh, landed back at the airport and we took off from, we land. Although in that process, they gave you little pillows at the time. I grabbed that pillow, put it in my face and I gave my life to Jesus 747 times. Man, I prayed every prayer. I was like, God, I give you my life. I pray you'd save my mom, save my dad do whatever with my sister. Um, you know, I was like, whatever. I didn't want to waste the prayer, you know? And so uh, we land and then while well, the firefighters actually come in from the back of the plane, didn't know there was an entrance there. They run to the front, they get us off the plane and we uh, had to get out um, the next morning. The, the flight was obviously not going to work out. And you might be wondering, I thought you said the plane was on fire. We're getting there. But before, um, we, we knew of any of this, we had to stay the night at a, at somewhere because we had a flight the next morning. But we had no money um, growing up, so we didn't stay at a hotel. We couldn't even afford a motel. We stayed at an hotel. Like, oh my gosh, we gotta stay here. And so we, we were in this like, like really crazy place. Uh, we wake up though the next morning and then we watch the news and it said breaking news. Last night, a plane was on fire. I'm like, that is crazy. And then we're like, we keep watching it. And they said, yeah, it actually flew out from the same airport in Florida. Like what a crazy coincidence. And then they said it was Spirit Airlines, not surprised. And then, and then, and then the last thing it said was the flight number. We looked at our flight tickets from the day before and we realized we were actually watching the news of what our plane had actually happened to. Uh, basically what ended up happening is that some, some wires in the cockpit actually had gotten corroded, causing sparks, causing flames. And so the cockpit of our plane literally caught on fire. So needless to say, I was really anxious about flying uh, for decades. Like for like a good 20 years of my life, I was terrified of flying. And for years, I would skip out as much as I could on flying. It was, it was terrifying. I was so anxious. Man, I would even take medication for it if I had to go. It was, it was really debilitating for me, my anxiety was. And then even my dad had these trips, these father-son trips uh, planned for us to go on. And I remember one time he said, we were going to go to this faraway place, you know, across the country. And I was like, that's a really long drive. And he's like, oh, we're going to fly. And I remember I actually told him that I didn't want to go. He had it planned for, paid for, and was pumped to do it. But the truth is, I told him not to do it. And so we ended up canceling a trip. And here's what's wild. My anxiety kept me from going to the places that my father wanted me to go. And here's my belief, is many of us in this room, our anxieties are keeping us from going to the places our heavenly father is calling us to go. 
And so what we're going to do this morning for just a couple minutes is, is unpack this, kind of understand how do we kind of face anxiety with Jesus, and we're going to kind of pray through it and get some freedom com- from some stuff. Because, man, for like 20 years, I was terrified of flying, and now I do it literally for a living. Man, my two greatest anxieties, my two greatest anxieties growing up was public speaking and flying, which is literally what I do every single week. And now I'm pumped to do it only because of the power of Holy Spirit overcoming past experiences. But um, this also reminds me of another quick, super quick story. I remember once I was, um, I, I broke my ankle um, in high school. I think there's a picture of it. Is there a picture of it? Do we have that slide? Um, but yeah, so I broke my ankle in high school. And this is a, a really lovely picture my dad took of me. I don't know why he did it, but he was rude. So I, I was carrying a heavy desk uh, into the basement of, of our house with my dad. And I did an extreme sport. I wore socks while going down the stairs. And so I, I, I fall down, I slip, I break my ankle. I call out to my dad. We got to go to the hospital. We go to the emergency room. Uh, he, they do the x-rays. And the doctor walks in. I say, doctor, just tell me straight, am I ever going to walk again? And he's like, you can walk right now. And I was like, thank God, he's a believer. Um, and then he's like, no, no, you're, you're fine. I'm like, I'm not fine. I, I broke my ankle. And he's like, no, you're, you're totally fine. And at this moment, I'm sitting in a wheelchair thinking I'm never going to walk ever again in my life. I, I, I dramatize things in my life sometimes. And so I'm like, well, obviously, like, this isn't going to work out. And he's like, well, actually, you have something in the medical community called a sprained ankle. And so I was, I was fine. And he's like, um, he's like so you, you, you can leave. And I was like, okay. And so I, this is real. I start wheeling myself out of the emergency room. And the, and the doctor said this, what, what are you doing? I said, I'm leaving. He's like, well, we need those for people who actually need it. I thought that was rude, but it's fine. And so I, actually, you know, I, I get out of the wheelchair and all that stuff. But here's, here's what I thought was interesting about that really silly story, but also with anxiety, is, is I wasn't in the wheelchair because I was broken. I was in the wheelchair because I was hurting. And oftentimes, our hurt can seem like brokenness. Oftentimes our hurt can seem like brokenness, irreparable, but I love with Holy Spirit, it is more than that. I mean, he can do something awesome. And just because you're hurting does not mean that you're broken forever. It does not mean that you're broken. Now we're gonna deal with anxiety, but I wanna address something really quickly before we get into it is this, is anxiety or depression, kind of same family of things. Anxiety is not demonic, it's human. Anxiety is not demonic. Uh, I mean, I remember I've, I've dealt with anxiety a bunch in my life. And I remember I would tell people, hey, I'm really anxious. And they'd say, oh, that's just the devil attacking you. But can I be real? Oftentimes, I am my own worst devil. Because I'm, 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 like, I'm the one thinking about it. And oftentimes, my thoughts were leading me to places that my father didn't want me to go. And I was making myself anxious. And so many times, I feel like we blame the devil for things that we're doing to ourselves. And, and it makes us a really bad habit. And so the, the truth is, anxiety and depression, man, it is not demonic. It's human. Man, it, it, it's a human thing. And I love that the word of God says we can do something about it, though. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 5, if you have your Bible, say, oh, yes, I do. There we go, one to us. Uh, if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets up itself against the knowledge of God. Man, man, the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I love that the word of God says that we have the ability to take captive every thought, the good and the bad. And then I love this one that really changed my life uh, when it came to anxiety for me was this, was a Philippians 4, 8. It says this, summing it all up, my friends, I would say that you will do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true. Say true. 
Yes, focusing on things that are true, things that are in, man, things that are true, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. So many times when we're feeling anxious, it's really because we're thinking about things that could be true, not that actually are currently true. I mean, I think of the worst case scenario. So for years, every time I would be forced to get on a plane and there was even a slight bump, I was like, here we go, here we go again. Like it's gonna catch on fire. And my, my quick reaction was to grab the armrest of the plane, like really high, tightly as if that does anything. In my mind, I'm like, if we're going down, the, the armrest is gonna save my life, you know? And so uh, that would happen all the time, but it wasn't because it was actually on fire. I was worried that it was gonna happen again. And so I was letting my past dictate my current and that is not how God has for us. I mean, he has something so much better for us. And I love that Jesus relates to us and we can relate to Jesus in this way because there is this passage that I love. It's, it's really popular. It's really easy to memorize. Uh, it's two words, John eleven thirty five. It is this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And this is a weird phrase, a weird uh, verse to me for a lot, a lot of reasons. It's kind of wild to me because Jesus has a friend named Lazarus. He's a friend of Jesus's. And then all of a sudden, one day, Mary and Martha come to Jesus and they say, hey, your friend, our friend, Lazarus, is dying. He is sick and he is dying. You've got to do something about it. But then Jesus responds to them. I love this. John eleven four. 4. This is before Jesus weeps. Jesus, before all that, he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be revealed. I love because Jesus was fully man and fully God and was fully knowing. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that Lazarus wasn't going to die and he announced it. He didn't just prophesy it. He was speaking the truth of what was going to happen. And so I love this. I love this moment because Jesus knew what was going to happen. He says, it will not end in death. But then they actually had to go to where Lazarus is. And by the time Jesus gets to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And if I'm one of these friends of Jesus, I'm confused because Jesus, you said it wasn't going to end in death, but right now it feels like death. And maybe you're in a place like that in your life where, man, you've heard from God that it's going to be okay, but it currently isn't okay. And it gets really confusing, but then the story gets better and better. Man, Jesus gets to where Lazarus is. Lazarus is dead. And then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And I used to be confused because if Jesus knows it's going to be okay, why, why was he weeping? And here's, here's what I realized is this, is that, man, Jesus, man, Jesus knew it was going to be okay, but Jesus wept when it wasn't okay. Jesus knew it was going to be okay, but he wept when it wasn't. I love this moment because Jesus weeps and he shows his, his vulnerability, his emotions, shows his humanity. And there's something actually really powerful about it because just after that, uh, the, the, the people around in the crowds in John eleven thirty six, 36, they said this, man, the people said, see how he loved him. And I love this. So oftentimes we want to hide our brokenness, but so oftentimes our brokenness can show the love we have for others. And so Jesus feeling his feelings, being real with himself was the evidence of his love. Jesus weeps in this moment, even though he knows it's going to be okay, he felt his feelings. And I think he kind of validates this, this truth is that it's okay to feel how you feel. It's just not okay to feel that way forever. It's just not okay to be there forever. And so then Jesus calls out Lazarus, uh, you know, raises him up from the dead and they're all excited. They're all, you know, all partying. And I love this. I love this because Jesus's words were true, even when it looked like it was not going to be true. 
Jesus said it was gonna be okay, and then he wept when it wasn't, but then he made it, he made it okay. So then the question is, is how do, we, how do we deal with our hurts? How do we deal with our anxieties in these kind of moments? And the first thing is this, is that we understand like earlier that hurt is not the same as being broken. Man, hurt is not the same as being broken. Man, Jesus can make all things good and he does. Man, the second thing is this, is that verse we read earlier is focused on what is true. And the third thing is this, is invite Jesus in. It's to actually invite Jesus into our anxiety, into our pain, into our hurts. Because the truth is Jesus wants to do one of two things. He wants to do both of these. He wants to validate how you feel. And then he wants to walk you out of how you feel. Man, the truth is I've only been married for a little bit, but I've learned this, that when my wife tells me a problem, she does, for some reason, does not always want a solution. Uh, almost never, actually. It drives me crazy. But here's what I've realized. Man, a better marriage, a better friend isn't just trying to fix your problems. They're trying to be with you under the weight of those problems. And Jesus wants to do the same thing. He wants to validate that how you feel is real. And then he wants to help you walk out of it at the same time. And, and let me say it like this, man, like I, I love that people can help us in these situations. Man, I have a doctor for my body. I got a chiropractor for my body. I have a dentist for my body. I mean, I have a therapist and all of these things. I have coaches. And the truth is, I love this. Man, people can help me, but only Jesus can heal me. Man, man, people can help me, but only Jesus can heal me. Man, if you were healed last night physically, that is not permission for you to throw away your medication, you know, because that could be stupid and you could die. Um, but like, here's what I love is that we can actually go to doctors and it, it greater validates the miracle that God already did. So then it's not just me doing things in my feelings. I have an evidence-based miracle, which is so much more powerful because then we have a better word of our testimony. And so I love that. And so, man, I, I have all that, but Jesus wants to heal us. And so I want to walk through something, uh, a quick teaching that we're going to pray through tonight or this, this evening or this, right now is this, is there's really this, this cycle of anxiety that so many of us get into. And so if you're taking notes, this is the thing to write down uh, is this is we're going to start. There's these four sections that we often go through over and over as human beings, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, all humans go through these cycles all of the time. But Jesus wants to invade the, this anxiety cycle. And the first thing is this is that we all have events. We all have events. You know, I was on, my event was that I was on a plane that caught on fire. That should never happen. Man, God does not want that to happen, but we live in a fallen world where fallen issues happen. Man, we're, we're literally, you know, plans catch on fire. We're, we're, you know, we get broken up with, our heart gets hurt. Man, abuse happens, awful things happen, and events happen. That does not mean that God wanted it to happen. It's that, man, that we live in a fallen world and events just happen. So I was, my event was I was in a plane that caught on fire. And maybe another example is this, is maybe for you, that maybe you were in like an abusive relationship. Maybe that was your event that happened to you. And so with every event, what well, often leads to, uh, whether it's ourselves or often the enemy comes in, is the second thing that we have is a lie. So we go from an event and then we end up believing a lie about it. Man, for me, I, I was on a plane that caught on fire and then I, I believed this lie that every plane was gonna catch on fire. Now, if I really look at it, it looks ridiculous. That, that, that doesn't statistically make any sense. And if I'm really honest, the lie was even deeper than that. I wasn't just believing that planes weren't safe. I was believing that God wasn't gonna take care of me, that God, that God wasn't keeping me safe that he, he was leaving me alone. And maybe your event that you were in an abusive relationship and maybe the lie that you believe is that you did something to deserve the abuse. But the truth is that that ain't real. 
But we believe lies over events, and then what we end up doing with those lies is we create defenses around them. We create these defenses. What ends up happening, we have an event, a lie, and then the third thing is a defense. And so for me, it's, it's really, I was an event, I was on a plane and caught on fire. I believed that I was not safe. And so the third thing I did is I created defenses to do anything to avoid feeling that feeling of the lie or having that event ever happen again. So my defense was I'm not going to fly anywhere. So I, I missed out on vacations, on missions trips, on like all these things. And if I can be so bold, is this, when I was 12 years old, I felt called to travel the world and to preach. And man, my fear was keeping me, was keeping me from going to the places my father was calling me to go. And my defense mechanism was to not fly anywhere. And really the long, the long of this is that I might've never gone the places that my father wanted me to go. Like if I didn't actually address this, I might not ever be here or all over the world that we go. And maybe for you, if, if the event that you were in an abusive relationship and maybe you believe the lie that you did something to deserve it, then the defense is this, is you put out your arm and you say, I'm not gonna let let anybody get close to me. I'm not letting anybody get close to me because all that's going to happen is I'm just going to get hurt again. And then what ends up happening when we have these defenses up is the last thing that happens is that we have a reaction to the defense. We have a reaction. The last thing is a reaction. So we have an event, a lie, a defense, and then a reaction. So if Man, I, I, was on a, I was on a plane that caught on fire. I believed I wasn't safe. So I pushed all flights away. And the reaction was this. I wasn't going the places I was called to go. And maybe you, you were in an abusive relationship and you thought that maybe you did something to deserve it. So you pushed relationships away. You pushed intimacy away. And the reaction gets this, is you never have a healthy relationship. Why? Because you've been pushing people away. And when you end up doing that, you know what ends up happening? is that someone comes around, but because you've been so distant from people, you don't know the difference between a good and a bad relationship. So then you know what ends up happening? You get into another bad relationship and the event happens over again. Here's, here's a test to see if you're in one of these cycles from time to time. And, and it could be, the event could be anything. But here's the test. If you ever say this phrase, it means that you're probably in this. If you say this phrase, I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. That means that you're probably in this. Man, so many times it's a, it's a great, man, great kind of reaction statement is that, is, man, I knew this was going to happen. And so I would, I would do this. I would get on planes because, man, I would get on planes. I would go into it nervous, believing it was going to crash. And so the moment turbulence would happen, I would get scared and I would say to myself, I knew this would happen. Man, I knew I was going to crash. Man, some of us, we get into these bad relationships. We push people away. And then we have these, man, we have these defenses. And then our reaction is this. We get into these relationships. It doesn't work out. And then we, we, we try again and again, and it doesn't work out. And we're nervous about it. And then we end up saying, man, I knew this would happen. Man, I knew this would happen. Like I, but we end up, you know what ends up happening? We often are creating self-fulfilling prophecies because we're going into situations already ready for it to fail. Man, it's, it's almost like this. Imagine, I love that you're gonna do this XO conference. Y'all should all sign up for real. We do it at our church, a simulcast thing. Y'all should for real sign up if you're in marriage. But imagine this, imagine a couple, a husband and a wife, they get married. And then let's say the wife, she, she's excited. She's like 99% in, but then there's this 1% that she thinks about, hey, if this plan doesn't work out, if this marriage doesn't work out, there's always that guy from high school I know I can hit up. I always have a plan B. I mean, and plan Bs are awful because plan Bs only ever distract from God's plan A. And so, but, so let's say the, you, know, you get married and then one of you has a plan B as an exit strategy. 
You know what's gonna happen if you have that exit strategy? Your marriage is never gonna be whole. It's never gonna be intimate. It's never gonna be 100%. And then you know what's gonna happen? Man, the marriage is going to fail and fall apart. You're gonna end up going to that plan B and you're gonna be with that person. And you know what you're gonna say? I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. This is why I have that person in my life as a backup plan. But the truth is it was a self-fulfilling prophecy and you were the one who actually made it happen. And we do this all the time, whether it's relationships, whether it's our job, our finances, our fears, our anxieties. But the truth is a lot of us, we look at this and we say, how do I fix this? I stop having bad events. And that gets rid of the whole thing. But the truth is we live in a fallen world where events happen. So the problem is not the event. The problem is the lie. If you get rid of the lie, there's no need for a defense and reactions never happen. And so the truth is what we're going to do for a couple minutes, we're going to pray through this. We're going to let Holy Spirit engage our hearts and we're going to address the lie and get a new truth this morning. So I want us to do, if I can have the band come up or just the, you know, the, the pads would be, make their way up. What I want to do is I want to transition us to a, to a time of prayer. So if we can all bow our heads and close our eyes, um, we're going we're gonna to pray through this for a couple minutes, probably for like four or five minutes. And I'm not going to have anyone come up to the altar. Or we're not going to do anything like that. I'm just going to keep us where we're at so we can have a healthy experience where we're currently at. And so what we're going to do is this is we're going to, and you, you need to write notes while we're praying uh, to kind of go through this. That's totally okay. But I want you to be, man, not distracted by any of this. Uh, and so I'm going to walk us through this. And after every prayer point, I'm going to ask the whole church, uh, just to read the room, I'm going to ask this question. Um, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're in the same place, if you've been able to get to the place I want you to get to, just as a way to know where we're at. So the first thing I want us to do with every head bowed and every eye closed, unless you're taking notes on how to do this, um, is this, is the first thing we're going to ask is we're just going to invite Holy Spirit into our heart. We're going to invite Holy Spirit in, in your own words, in your own way for like, just like 15 or 20 seconds. If you'll just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. I mean, I invite you into the hurts and the brokenness of my life. So just in your own words, in your own way, Holy Spirit, I invite you in and I give you permission to have access to my heart. May I give you permission to have access to my heart. And just so I know where the room is at with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're able to kind of pray that prayer and kind of begin this journey we're gonna have this morning, if you're able to do that, just so I know where the room is at with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hand if you're able to just invite Jesus in? If you're able to pray that prayer, awesome, awesome, awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm, only, I'm not asking uh, your, you to raise your hands in these prayer points to see if this is going well. Um, I'm kind of going this so I can see the pace of the room. So it helps me out if you're honest. And if we can just turn that music up just a little bit. The second thing, you know, the next thing we're gonna do is this, is we're gonna ask Holy Spirit, you know, Holy Spirit, what is the hurt or the anxiety you want me to deal with? Holy Spirit, what is the hurt or the anxiety you want me to deal with? Or maybe you might know what it is and you wanna tell him. And so what I want you to even say is like, Holy Spirit, this is the anxiety, this is the hurt I want you to deal with. So the, you know, the one, like really the first main thing we're gonna do is Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? What's the anxiety? Man, what's the fear? What's the issue? What's the hurt? What's the trauma you want me to deal with? With every head bowed and every eye closed. And 
without anyone looking around, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to kind of, to see what that thing is, that anxiety, that issue, that either God's telling you to address, or you're asking for him to address, can you just raise your hand just so I know where the room is at? Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, put your hands down. And I'm gonna be honest, it, it, these next couple parts can be really difficult for some of us because maybe some of us haven't ever dealt with this before. But I promise you by the end of this, there is radical freedom. So just trust me, I got you and Holy Spirit has got you even more than I do. So the next thing we're gonna do is this, we're gonna ask Holy Spirit a pretty big question. We're gonna ask Holy Spirit, where did this start? Where did this start? Would you show me the place where this started? Man, for me, it was on a plane. For you, it might be a conversation. Maybe someone spoke something over you. Maybe it was a room or something happened. Maybe you were, you might've been a kid when this happened. So Holy Spirit, would you show me the room where this happened? Would you show me the room where this happened with every head bowed and every eye closed? I know this might be a unique way for us to pray, but it's kind of a, a unique way so he can, he can speak to us uniquely. Holy Spirit, what is the issue you want me to deal with? And would you, man, would you show me where this first started? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're, if you're able to kind of see that place in your prayer, in your head, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to kind of see where this started, can you just raise your hand so I know where the room is at? Okay, okay, okay. Put your hands down. And for some of this, this can be hard, but Holy Spirit might want to just kind of unveil it to you. Man, it's like, where did I really start feeling this? Where, was the, where did the trauma begin? Man, where, where did this hurt start? And then the next thing I want us to do is this, is ask Jesus, Jesus, would you show me that you were in the room? Would you show me that you were in the room? So I want you to kind of, in your, as you're praying, kind of picture yourself in that place again, but I want you to picture that Jesus was right there next to you. Now he was not there just watching it happen. He was there with you so that when things happen to us, that he can carry us out of them and he can be there with us. And Jesus did not want this to happen, but he's there for us when things happen. So Holy Spirit, what is the issue you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? And then would you show me that you were there? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're able to see where this started, I'm gonna go back a step. If you're able to see where this started, can you just raise your hand so I know where the room is at? Okay, okay, you can put your hands down. And then the next thing is this, is that, yeah, would I help me to see that Jesus was in the room? Help me to see that Jesus, you were in the room where I was hurt. Where I, where I was, man, where I was, man, deceived, where I was taken advantage of, where I started believing this fear, this lie. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're able to say, hey, I, I can picture Jesus in that room with me, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you can just lift your hands so I know where the room is at, that would be super helpful. Okay, okay, okay. Put your hands down. And then this, is, this might be the biggest part for some of us. We're gonna ask God, we're gonna ask Jesus really, what is the lie I believe about this place? Now, Holy Spirit, what is the lie that I've been believing about this place? Man, for me, I was on a plane that caught on fire and I kind of had to go back to that moment. And I had to say, hey man, like, Holy Spirit, what is the lie I believed about this place? And I started realizing that I didn't just believe that planes weren't safe. I believed that I wasn't gonna get taken care of that I was out of control and that I desperately needed it. So what is the issue you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? Would you show me that you were there? And now 
What is the lie that I've been believing about this moment, about this event, about this place? What's the lie that I've been believing? I think for a lot of us, this can, this can come pretty quick. It's pretty easy to identify it because it's usually the trigger that hurts us the most. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to identify that lie that you've been believing, can you just raise your hand so I know where the room is at? Awesome, awesome, you can put your hands down. And I wanna kind of almost pause as we're praying and I want us to ask ourselves the question before we do anything else with God. What if that's not true? I want us to ask that question to ourselves when we're believing lies about ourselves, when we get insecurities, we get anxious thoughts. The question I want us to ask is, it's kind of that verse, focus on things that are true. So this thought that I'm having, what if that's not true? What if that's not true? What does that change for you? So if we, if we know what this lie is that's been hurting us, that's been even maybe controlling us, controlling our, our problems, our issues, our marriages, our finances, all of these things, what I want us to do now is as you can picture Jesus in this moment with you, because he's there with you, I want you to hand over the lie to Jesus. I want you to give him the lie. And for some of us, it might be like almost like telling him, hey, I'll give it to you. For some of us, it might be almost like visually seeing something in our heads of like, hey, this is like how I feel. It feels like a broken jar, a broken vessel, a broken heart. I wanna hand you that broken piece. I wanna hand you the trauma. I wanna hand you the identity I've created from one event that happened. And it's been messing up all of my relationships. It's been messing up all of my money, all of my businesses, because I believe that I'm always gonna be poor. I believe I'm always gonna be broken. I believe I'm always gonna be hurt. I'm always gonna be this way. But the truth is, is he has a way out for you. And the best way out is to give it to Jesus. And I love that Jesus on the cross, man, he, he bears the weight, not just of our physical pain, but our emotional pain too. And he wants to feel it with you. He wants to take it from you. So Jesus, I give this to you. I give you the lie. I give it to you. And, and you gotta give him the whole thing the whole part of it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to say, hey, I'm, I'm giving this to Jesus. I'm, I'm handing this over to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, can you just raise your hand so I know where the room is at? Awesome, awesome, awesome. You can put your hands down. So here's the best part. If we're giving Jesus a lie, the only thing then that we have is we have this gap in ourselves. Man, so many of us create these identities based on these lies that we've been believing about situations or ourselves, but Holy Spirit wants to give you a fresh identity. What he wants to give you is a new truth. He wants to give you a new truth in replacement of that lie. Maybe you've been believing that you're not good enough. You're not deserving of a healthy relationship. Man, you're not worthy of a business that'll be successful. Man, you're, you're never gonna be good at money, all of these different things. But the truth is that God has a new truth for you. Man, that, that truth, that, hey, you, you are a good parent. And just because you weren't before has nothing to do with what you can be right now. Man, you are a good spouse. Man, he is proud of you. Man, he, he knows you've been hurt, but he doesn't want you to feel that way forever. So the last thing we're gonna do is this. And if I can have the rest of the band kind of make their way up on the stage. The last thing is, is really this, is like, Jesus, would you give me a new truth for all of this? For all of this pain, all of this hurt, 
So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you feel like you're able to get that new truth from him, can you just raise your hand so I know where the room is at? Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, I want to keep hanging on to this moment. If with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is the last kind of prayer point for, for the day. This is the last thing we're going to do. But I just want us to keep focusing on this because I want you to get that new truth. I want you to kind of grasp onto that. Before we, before we do anything else today, I just want you to keep focusing on that. Holy Spirit, if I give you this lie, what is the new truth? What is the new truth? And the biggest part of this is not just getting something that's true. It's actually believing what he's saying to you. When he says he's proud of you, when he says that you're enough, when he says you're worthy of a great relationship, when you're worthy of finances, when, you're, when you can grow, when you can get in shape, when you can do all of these things, he wants to speak to you new truths. But the biggest part of faith today is not receiving the truth. The biggest part of faith is actually believing it. So Holy Spirit, I pray for my friends. I pray that there would be more joy and laughter in their homes than ever before. I pray that there would be a new level of provision in every house that it would be like unimaginable. God, I pray that you would help us keep walking forward in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would help us be equipped in a greater level of ministry and life for all of us, for our kids, for our future, for our spouses, and for ourselves in our eternity. So I want us to do this. If you're physically able to, can you all just stand to your feet? Can you all just stand to your feet as we're about to kind of worship one more time? Here's, here's what I want us to do. If we can um, have the band uh, lead us out in worship, we're gonna, what I want us to do is just for like a, a song or half a song, is this, I want you to be able to worship from a new place of freedom and not in a place of bondage. One of the best things to do once you've been free is this, is to actually celebrate your freedom. Here's, here's what I hear a lot. People say this, when they're in a place of hurt, they say this, man, well, hurt people just hurt people. But here's the reality, free people, free people. Man, free people, free people. And so I want us in a moment, we're gonna worship God and celebrate that freedom so that we can give freedom to others. And the last thing I'm gonna say is this, I would love to meet you. Uh, we're gonna worship. Uh, I wrote this book, The Holy Spirit is Not a Bird. Uh, there's a whole chapter about it that goes through exactly what we just prayed for. So if you wanna go through this again or help someone else through that, I would encourage you to check that out. And like Pastor said, and for real, I was gonna say it too. If you can't afford it, I'll just hook you up. Then I'll charge Pastor, but it's fine. I'll just pretend I'm generous. Um, but for real, I would love to just have that as a resource because I know this can be unique for us. Some of us need to go through these things more than once. I pray this way often. And so I want us to do this. I want to pray this out one more time as the worship team leads. But Jesus, I pray this. I pray that this would not be an emotional experience. I pray that this would be a foundational encounter with a new way to hear your voice. So help us to worship you in a new place of freedom in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.